Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, that was good. All right, I'll try to piece something together from this mishmash of nonsense. Welcome to Two Designers Walk Into a Bar. A place where pop culture loving creatives discover design icons that make us tick. And we share a few cocktails in the process. Yep. Oh yeah. Today we're feeling great. In the land of advertising mascots where geckos, bunnies, and tigers grow rich. The elves do the baking and they all want to sell us something. Join the Doughboys, the Crockers, and the Chocolas. As we Captain Crunch through time to avoid the Noid. When two designers walk into a bar. Okay, so Todd, today Mm -hmm. I am excited to share a mascot, like an advertising mascot, a personality that, uh, again, has been with me for a long time, uh, ever since I was a little kid. And uh, I came to find out after doing some research that uh, he has actually been around much longer than I have. It's the Trojan condom man, isn't it? No, because if it had been him, then I would never have been around. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> good catch so okay so that's, your mascot, that, that, yeah. that could be the trojan man's tagline <laughs> yeah if it, if it wasn't for me you'd be here right now no i was thinking good catch oh <laughs> okay so your mascot been around for a long time yes. like what are we talking we're talking 50 years 100 years closer to 100 oh okay well uh, interestingly enough i have a mascot as well uh, that has been in the public for coming up on a hundred years, also. Interesting. Probably, probably close to like ninety years right now. Okay, my my guy may have a, a an edge on yours by a few years. Yeah. Well. Okay. We'll see. We'll see if your guy happens to turn out older and wiser and more successful than my guy. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, let's jump in and get started. All right, go for it. This is so rich, so All right, Todd, I would like to jump into a little bit of a guessing game with you. Let's have a little bit of fun, okay? All right, let's do it. Okay. I feel like I tip my hand a little bit in giving away a couple things. So one of the things was the fact that I said he. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, right, that gives away it's not uh, a it's female not Mrs. Mascot. Butterworth, right? Yes, it's not okay. something like that. 
And then the other thing that I gave away was the approximate age, which is about 100 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. So based on that, do you have any guesses or do we need to play 20 oh, questions? Geez. All right. Let's, uh, I don't think we have time or the audience for 20 questions, but let's try two more questions. How about that? Okay. So we're talking something that was invented around 1920 then? Yeah, give or take, or, okay, or at least, okay. at least. well, I say invented. Uh, you know, it was, it was discovered before that. Let's just say, like, uh, widespread implementation. Okay, okay, okay. So it's a service of some kind. Yes. Okay, good. I'm getting warmer. All right. You are. Um, it is a widespread service from 1920s. It could be... Uh, Automobile, radio. No, getting no warmer. Radio. Getting okay, warmer. Right. Okay. What power? Uh, what powers a radio? What do you need? What do you need for a radio to work? <laughs> okay. What powers radio? You ask. The joys of electricity. Exactly. Okay. So, so, oh, okay. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. I know, oh, I know what it is. Oh, 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 I know what it is. Jump back, everybody. Todd's hopping up and down. Okay. Go. <laughs> go for it. Mister. Mm -hmm. Ready kilowatt. Bing, 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 bing. You are the, exactly the yes. ready kilowatt. Except no substitute. That is oh, correct. Cool. Okay. Hundred years old. Wow. Yeah. 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 So okay. So now your guy. Okay. Uh, you said you had a guy, correct? Yeah. yeah okay. okay. And I could have I could have teased you with this to find out if we also had the same one, which is um, my mascot is based on a chubby six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> is ready kilowatt? based on a chubby six-year-old. No. I, I think a ready kilowatt would have cooked a chubby six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so, gosh, 100. So I'm thinking of the first thing that pops into my mind, I got to be honest with you, is like Spanky from the Little Rascals. Right, right, right. Something, think of that. Okay, but think of a product location service. What is, okay, let me ask it this way. Sure. How would you describe Spanky? Oh, not, I don't want to go so far as to say like cherubic, but certainly like round cheeked. Yeah. Uh, I guess for lack of a better word, spunky or yeah. bouncy or like a big boy, maybe. Oh, Todd, yeah. see, you slipped and fell in it. And I think, I, I think, I think what you slipped and fell in was a nice little grease puddle from the griddle. Hey, <laughs> hey, because <laughs> yeah, obviously a uh, big boy, which is awesome. Yes, <laughs> Bob's. Bob's big boy. Okay, Bob's big boy. So let me give you a little bit. Let me tell you a little bit about Bob's oh, big boy. So are you going to whet my appetite? <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, let's say that. We're going to whet your appetite. Speaking of your appetite. Okay, can I get a, a tidbit or two? You can get a tidbit or two. Okay, Actually, well, get your buns moving. Oh, my this is great. You, you, <laughs> you're on fire. I am. Well, I, do, right, so. I don't want to add extra cheese onto this oh, podcast. You're, you're putting me in a pickle. Dude. I am. Well, All right. time to catch up. Uh, <laughs> you must have heard. There's a story that uh, involves a lot of lament on my for, part and a lot of joy on Todd's part. For another day. But let me tell you about the origins of Bob's Big Boy. All started with a guy named Bob Weon who uh, started a restaurant, as you do. He invented the double-decker hamburger. Wait a second. I, I, need to, I need to press pause right now. All right. So it wasn't, it wasn't McDonald's with the Big Mac. It oh, was like, my like this, this This guy, this, he is a burger innovator. He was the first one in all of human history to stack two patties on top to, of one another. To and, stack two patties 
on top of one another. As a matter of fact, he was about 20 years ahead of McDonald's, and the franchisee that invented the Big Mac actually said, yeah, you know, yeah, I guess you can kind of say we borrowed that. Mm. I mean, it was not like we invented the light bulb. We just screwed in a different light bulb. That's a quote. That's an actual quote from the franchisee of McDonald's. But we're not talking about McDonald's right now. Yeah, I'm really we're confused. Okay. Well, wouldn't, well, you know, hey, you talk light bulbs. Guess what Ready Kilowatt's nose is? A light bulb. A light bulb. Right, right. Um, very cool. So was Ready Kilowatt based on a person of some kind? Or what was he based on? Okay, so uh, we're going to have the full backstory of this, links to this on our website, because it would, be, it would take, there, there is like an encyclopedic answer to this, but I'll try to have the fun sort of, again, it's two designers in a bar, right? I'll give you the right. casual uh, ham-fisted answer that I'm so good at uh, with pretty much everything I address. He was created basically to sell electricity to farmers. So around 100 years ago when the Depression had hit, you know, mm-hmm. most of the United States outside of urban areas still didn't have electricity. And mm-hmm. electricity is sort of going back to my quiz with you about like what powers the radio. You don't see electricity. Electricity is kind of a thing. It's all around so, us. Okay, but, so here in right? the, so was it like in more rural areas, like yeah. in the south, where where I grew up in the south? Yeah, I mean, it was basically targeting farmers and so folks it, like this, right? So it was like the magic air. It was the magic air that they were trying to market, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah, I think, if you will. Although I don't think, like, Ready Kilowatt wasn't, you know, a magician in a top hat and a cape who, like, just okay. magically held a light bulb in his hand and it lit up. He he actually has lightning bolts for a body, and he actually has little lightning bolt horns, and then he has his ears or uh, sockets from an outlet, and then he has his light bulb nose, like we talked about, and he has little Woody Woodpecker-ish sort of, like, cartoon gloves and little mm-hmm, elf mm-hmm. kind of boots, right? He was like a cartoon character. Uh-huh. But he put a friendly face on something that was both abstract and potentially super dangerous when you think about it. Yeah, really. Made it friendly, right? Made it accessible to these folks that had not been exposed to electricity, thinking it was voodoo and magic, I bet. (laughs) Right. And so it was the brainchild of this guy named Ashton B. Collins, who worked at the time for Alabama Power. And in fact, this was so successful that he left Alabama Power and started his own marketing company just to license Ready Kilowatt to different electrical companies and utilities, not even just in the United States, but actually in his prime, Ready was global. Yeah. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. So you, you reminded me then of back to big boy with our friend Bob Wien, uh, who invented the double decker hamburger. We've already established that. Yeah. Innovator. Uh, he also was an innovator when it came to um, franchises, but I'm going to get to that in just a second. First of all, we got to talk about the name. He invented this double decker hamburger, uh, had two patties, had you know, lettuce, onion, special sauce, things like that on it. And uh, he needed a name for it, and nothing was really ringing. At the same time, as the gods would have it, this <laughs> chubby six-year-old who used to frequent Bob's restaurant, which was not called Big Boy at the time. Obviously, it was called Bob's Pantry. And he loved it so much, he would even do some odd jobs around the restaurant just to help out. His name was Richard Woodruff. He came bopping in one day, and probably in the middle of like the lunch weeds, right? 
Yeah. Uh, Bob forgot his name, looked up and was like, <laughs> hey, big boy. <laughs> the name stuck, bing, you know, just like lightning. And uh, Bob's big boy was born. So the name became so popular for the Double Decker Burger that he changed the name of his restaurant to Bob's Big Boy. That's great. So you're, we're all familiar with what Big Boy looks like, but he's been through, he's been, he's had some work done. Let's just put it like that. Uh, starting off as a, inspired by a chubby six-year-old, the first person who actually captured little Ricky Woodruff's likeness was a Warner Brothers animator by the name of Benny Washam. Warner Brothers, for those of you who aren't familiar, in Burbank is about a 15 minute walk from the original Bob's Big Boy in Burbank. So Benny Washam, regular customer, Bob asked him to draw a caricature of young Richard Woodruff to use for promotion. In exchange, Benny Washam got a free lunch. Look at that. Oh, wait, 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 wait. A free lunch? He got a free lunch, yeah, for drawing little Ricky Woodruff. What did little Ricky get? Diabetes, maybe? <laughs> Angina? Heart disease. Heart disease, yeah. So the illustrator who creates this iconic thing mm -hmm. gets a plate full of food. The little boy who literally inspired the name of an entire chain of restaurants, he he got nothing? He got diddly squat? Well, I'm sure he got something. It, uh, there's no record of it anywhere, but I'm sure... Uh, he was a pretty healthy kid, so I'm, I'm sure he, he got a burger or two. Probably, you know, yeah, every time he rolled in there, I would think. We're just, yeah, yeah, and, you know, we're lucky that Bob Wien happened to take a liking to little Ricky Woodruff. Otherwise, we'd be sitting here talking about Bob shit for brains, dumbass, <laughs> instead of Bob's big boy. <laughs> Not quite as palatable, I don't think. Doesn't roll off the tongue as much, does it? No, no. I, I don't think it has quite as broad appeal, you know, especially in the 20s and 30s uh, across the Midwest, for example. So was there, I talked about the Warner Brothers uh, animator mm -hmm. who first drew uh, Bob's big boy. Um, tell me a little bit more about the guy that was kind of the master behind Ready Kilowatt. Sure, yeah. So as I mentioned, Ashton B. Collins came up with the idea, right? He came up with the initial idea. But Bob being from California, of course he's going to get a little work done, right? He's got to yeah. he's got to keep it up. He's got to be yeah. able to keep looking good. You know, Reddy being from Alabama, he was a little bit more uh, modest, I think. <laughs> the first iteration of Reddy Kilowatt was developed internally by an engineer who re he really wasn't even an artist. You know, he, he would draw like schematics and things back at Alabama Power. So that lasted for a few years. And then it became fairly obvious to Collins that he needed to take Dan Clinton's drawing. Dan Clinton was the original illustrator and he needed to kind of reboot this and maybe make it feel a little bit more professional. So he tracked mm -hmm. down a woman named Dorothea Warren, who at the time was a known 
sort of local artist again in Alabama. I think she had started working on some children's books, was yeah. a bit of a commercial artist, commercial illustrator. So she kind of did Ready Kilowatt version two. Mm-hmm. And Is that so, the one that we probably are more familiar with then because well, that one spread more? Yeah, it's getting there. So basically, her version appeared in what today would essentially be a brand book or a brand guide, oh, right? Okay, so okay. like, so it kind of started going in that direction. It was this guide called uh, Ready Kilowatt Art Service Reproduction Proofs Book. So you want to talk about things that don't God, roll that off the tongue so well. Yeah, sexy. yeah, isn't so it? Sexy. Isn't it? If you guys listen to our past. 1976 podcast, I mentioned that the Bicentennial logo standards had been reproduced. Try as I might, I wasn't able to find any reproduction of the <laughs> the Ready Kilowatt <laughs> proofs book. No one has taken, you know, the baton has not been passed to anyone yet. Uh, they have not taken up that project. But um, the one that we're familiar with today, like if you go online and you were to look around now, that is, you mentioned Warner Brothers. Well, I, sacrilege perhaps, am going to bring up competitor to Warner Brothers, which is Walter Lance, right? So we remember Woody Woodpecker, right? That sort of thing. So same guy was asked to readdress, redraw, refine, uh, ready. And part of the reason was this was in the 50s when, you know, a lot of different things were happening with electricity. You had suburbs being built the highway system, post-World War II, all of these things are happening, rapid expansion, right? And then you had people going to the movies, television was starting to be in homes. And so what could we do with Ready? He actually already existed in comic books and things Uh like that. So this was a way to animate Ready and get even more people thinking about him, getting kids excited about him. So Todd, I feel that it would be What's, what's the right word here? It would just be inappropriate to not mention the merchandising opportunities that These came. These are ad mascots yes, after all, right, Yes, yes, 100%, 100%. And believe me, Ready delivered on that promise. <laughs> and, and I think our friend Collins uh, did nothing to dissuade Ready from being in every home in America. In fact, he, I think, encouraged it. So Ready was adopted by all of these different regional utilities across the country. And as a result of that, they all had access to all of this different stuff. And they wanted to promote electricity consumption. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Where is electricity used? It's used in the kitchen. Well, let's put Ready Kilowatt on kitchen stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, electricity is used to read by. Let's make a Ready Kilowatt lamp, right? You know, he has a light bulb for a nose. All of these different things. I mean, if you go on eBay, uh, you will get buried in yeah. Ready Kilowatt merchandise. Now, Ready even appeared on utility bills saying, hey, thanks for paying my wages. <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's like, hey, we're not paying this big faceless utility. We're just helping Ready. He's got to eat like the rest of us. That's right. You know? Light bulb's got to eat, too. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional Book, book nerds. nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? 
You can find the Professional Book Nerds Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading. So, Elliot, if we had sponsors right now, it'd be a good time for a commercial break. Great idea, Todd. I bet Reddy and Bob are already at the bar getting their own drink refills, so how about we do the same and meet back here at the table in just a minute? So this begs a question, and I want to throw it back to you here. All right. So you mentioned Big Boy also went through a little bit of an evolution. And Big Boy, of course, I I grew up in Ohio. I'm very familiar with Big Boy. Big right. Boy started in Southern California. So, like, tell me about this spread across the country. Tell me about the evolution of Big Boy. There's got to be more to this story. The, the Big Boy spread, as it were. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. So I told you how he got his his starts flash forward to 1952 uh bob's first franchisee is a guy named david frisk that name probably sounds familiar to an ohioan like yourself yes so he licensed the big boy food right but times were a little different then um david frisk invented his own big boy character that became known as the east coast big boy Hold on, hold on, hold on. I need to, I need to stop you. Okay. So you're saying that, that, gosh, there's East Coast and there's West Coast and there's a rivalry going on. It's tough out there for a pimp. It uh, is. You know I was, it is. I was gonna say this reminds me of something else. Yeah, you know, they say a... history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Just so everybody is clear, this whole beef started oh. in the fit. You see what I did yeah, there? Yeah, I know. Put started, in a pickle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I should say double beef, really. Yeah, this whole double, <laughs> it, it was a double beef. Yeah, All right, so yeah. The, okay, the reality, yeah. There was an East Coast, West Coast rivalry because when it started, they were kind of like, yeah, no harm, no foul. We're in California. You're in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. He started licensing, uh, he, uh, David Frisk, uh, in the Midwest, started licensing to sub-franchisees Manners and Azars. You're probably familiar with them as well. Yep. Um, but then it kind of became a thing. The The name Big Boy was growing. The Double Decker Hamburger was growing. A character was growing. And all the but, customers were probably right. growing. Their waistlines but, were but growing. It was conf- yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But it was confusing because if as you traveled across the United States, one big boy looked different from another big boy. Yes. So back in Burbank in 1955, you're going to find this interesting. Bob laid to rest the original Benny Washam drawing and hired a guy named Manfred Bernhardt. Wait, 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 wait. Name sound familiar? It sounds incredibly familiar. Son of graphic designer Lucian Bernhardt. Uh, One of my favorite designers. And so obviously, what do you do if you're the son of a world-famous designer? You design a new character for Big Boy, right? So (laughs) this begs a question. This guy's German. Yeah. He's creative. Yeah. So that's two marks in the win column in terms of having an opinion. He had an opinion. He was not impressed with the original big boy mascot saying, and this is a quote, it was sloppy and had a moronic expression. (laughs) So, so, okay. So West Coast Big Boy was revised, which is closer to what we have today that you see on buildings and um, 
statues. And now you mentioned that Ready was a comic book among many, many, many other things. Yeah. Manfred Bernhardt also commissioned a company named Timely Comics to produce a comic book. Now, Timely Comics went on to become uh, Mar Marvel, I think is how you pronounce it, Marvel Comics. Mm, I think I've it heard of them. It was written by a guy named Stan Lee. Stan <laughs> Lee wrote for Big Boy. That's awesome. Along with uh, other luminaries from Marvel like Bill Everett and Saul Brodsky, Dan DiCarlo. And Stan Lee continued to write for Big Boy Comics to 1961. Oh, I'm sure that was his release valve, right? That was yeah. what he could just sort of have fun with. And, and it remains, actually, it's still being produced today, and it remains one of the longest-running comic books still. That's, continuously that's awesome. Comics. I was about to ask, can you still lay your hands on these vintage comic books, these big boys? Is there a market Absolutely. for this? We'll, we'll post some images on the website, as you would probably guess. They are light on the sex and violence, so they're pretty appropriate for uh, for the family. So we'll post some of the great artwork that was done by then Timely Comics, which went on to be Marvel. Okay, so let me wrap up this East Coast, West Coast rivalry thing, which was not really a rivalry. It was like, okay, you do you, I'll do me. But as the years were going on, and more people were stopping at big boy restaurants because they were familiar with what big boy was there had to be a need to really make these characters exactly the same and that was just part of the big boy branding there ended up being oh my gosh doing this from memory i think it was something like 32 different franchisees they <laughs> oh, wow. all used okay. their own names uh, that's not number of restaurants, that's like number of names. So it was like Frisk Big Boy, Manners Big Boy, Azar's Big Boy, Shoney Big Boy, which was here in the South. Right. So they all used the same name, they all used the uh, same menu, and of course, the Big Boy. So things came together for the boy at that time. Let's hear it for the boy. Let's hear it for the boy. Uh, also, I'm sorry, I'm 34 different names representing franchises. We did a quick Wikipedia search. <laughs> I actually had it in my quick notes that I wasn't oh, reading. <laughs> I see. Well, uh, folks, for those of you who don't know, um, Todd would be long dead if it weren't for Wikipedia. Wikipedia long is what keeps dead. him going. Oh, my God, yes. So are you noticing some similarities here between our two choices of ad mascots we're talking about today? I am, yeah. I would say the first thing I'm figuring out is each one was from a very distinct and specific part of the United States, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Southern mm -hmm. California, um, Southern United States, Southeast, you know, with Alabama. And I would say the second thing is, while they were both created for a very small or very specific purpose, it really had this universal appeal. Right. Everybody gets hungry, you know, and likes mm -hmm. a good burger. Everybody sooner or later is gonna need to use electricity for something. And so this idea of franchising and licensing something, yeah, a lot of parallels. And again, I think that's no accident since both of these mascots came of age as arguably the country went from being separate regions to really mm -hmm. being a nation. Mm -hmm. To being connected. Yes, through the highway system and media and mm -hmm. all of these other sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. A couple other things I noticed as well. Obviously... What's a mascot supposed to do but to humanize the brand, right? 
So with a restaurant, it gave it character. Obviously, there were other restaurants out there that served similar food um, as any kind of car hop, drive-in restaurant would. This gave it character, and it kind of told you who the restaurant was for. It was for families. And I think in the case of Ready Kilowatt, it took out the scary factor. You know, although he, did, he had lightning bolt horns, but that's okay. They were cute lightning bolt horns. Right, right. It took he out wasn't... the scary part, and, yeah. it, and it made <clears throat> that thing tangible that they were trying to spread. Yeah, he wasn't holding a trident or something. He wasn't the devil incarnate. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. The other thing that I think is, is a big obvious is that the market for products and things that have the likeness on them has really exploded for both of these mascots. Obviously, they're each about 100 years old, which is probably a key to you know that you've gotten a successful advertising mascots then is when people will actually pay money to get a sample of your brand to wear as a t-shirt or a hat or use as a as an ashtray or a comic book calendar or something like that right to me that's one of the most interesting things about design is the artifacts when they exist beyond or outside of their initial intent a lot of times the company itself has gone out of business or it's merged with something else and it's sort of disappeared. And yet nostalgia is a very, very strong emotion. And mm-hmm, people, mm-hmm. it's part of the reason you have this whole collectibles market, right? Is so mm-hmm. people can sort of have these objects that are of days gone by, their youth or the memory of when they were little and as a six-year-old and going to Big Boy and eating with their parents. As we start to wrap this up, what is the state of Big Boy today as a mascot? Good question. Um, he's still being used. The company has been sold and has changed hands, and they're still using the Big Boy name. Frisk is still uh, using, I think, the Big Boy name, but they're no longer associated with the corporate Big Boy. It's, it's, it's an Ohio thing. I don't know what to tell you. But the, <laughs> but you know the the classic one, the oldest big boy in America, which mm-hmm. is the one in Burbank, still mm-hmm. um, is still around, still hosting Saturday night classic car drive-in, sort of like really throwing back to that '50s era. And here's a couple little trivia tidbits, Elliot, to leave you with, and I'll post this on our website as well because Big Boy obviously is a cultural icon, uh, the restaurant and the mascot in so much that when the Beatles were touring the U.S. in 1965, they wanted to eat at a real American diner. So they ended up going to the Burbank Big Boy. And you can, <laughs> you can still sit in the booth uh, that they sat in. It might be a, a long wait, but you can still sit there and it's um, marked with a plaque. Another story that I'll also post on the website, I won't get into it, but famous director David Lynch, I heard the rumor that he would eat at big boys every day for like seven years or something like that um, and have exactly the same meal every single day and while he was there he would work on his ideas and writing and he would write script ideas on napkins and things like that there's a story that I'll post but just to think about that you go to the same restaurant every single day and eat the same meal for seven years is crazy (laughs) Wow Okay, so Big Boy 
became Twin Peaks, I guess, in some odd way, or you know, <laughs> well, inspired Eraserhead, maybe because to, of like maybe the fry cook in the back or something. Like I'm trying to connect the dots here. Well, you'll have to look at the story on the website. I will tell you, he started going halfway through Eraserhead. Okay. Um, and he stopped going at the end of Dune. He must be pretty superstitious after the failure of Dune. <laughs> so. Okay. Getting back to Reddy for a second. Yeah, Reddy today, he he's largely disappeared through uh, a number of mergers, really. Reddy kind of had his peak in the 60s, like right around the time the 1965 World's Fair was in New York. Folks out there might be familiar with where it is in Queens, the fairgrounds from mm -hmm. at the end of Men in Black, right? With the UFOs mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, so Ready Today is through, you know, a series of mergers and things like this. It's actually owned by Excel Energy. So it's a big corporation. They're not really doing anything with it. There's a couple of reasons why. So one reason is exactly what I just mentioned, right? All of these regional little utilities, the little fish got eaten up by bigger fish, which in turn got eaten up by even bigger fish and this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So all these little individual customers sort of disappeared. And it's now a handful of players. It's more regional than it is local, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other reason he peaked in the mid-60s is because going into the 70s, you had an energy crisis. You had nuclear power that was taking over, you know, and certainly that's still uh, electrical, but it's a, it's an entirely different, burning coal kind of had a pollution aspect to it. And so you naturally had Earth Day and all these other things that were coming on and people mm -hmm. trying to fight pollution. That's an entirely different equation than like nuclear waste, <laughs> yeah. trying to find a place for control rods or whatever. So there were those sorts of things that were happening. So like in the 70s, it wasn't the most friendly time, I should say, to be a utility. Mm -hmm. So, you know, something like Ready Kilowatt that one could argue was sort of um, reminiscent of, let's say, a similar or more naive time in America that really didn't play in the 70s and the 80s and into the 90s. And there are a handful of utilities from what i understand in my research that are still using ready ready is still like i guess available to be licensed this sort of thing okay. but 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 like excel no one no one is out there readily pushing it <laughs> I, I believe in, in one of the places where he is still being used is on an ecuadorian soccer team's outfits like their jerseys their uniforms why wouldn't you? Why well wouldn't you? well because from what i understand the soccer team is owned by an electrical utility well what about that? And so I wonder if they even go. know all of the history of, the, of Ready Kilowatt, the, the charming I, mascot on their soccer uniform. Now, Todd, I don't want to get you too excited, but this might be our in into the Ecuadorian design market. Um, you think we may pick up an extra listener in Ecuador now? Okay. Maybe, may, maybe two. We might okay. have to, you know, maybe if Google Translate kicks in and... Yeah. It doesn't, you know, <laughs> think we're too idiotic to change into Spanish. We might, yeah, we might have something. Absolutely. Okay, I can go, I can dig that. Interesting. So uh, I, I, I was loving this, advertising mascots. 
we could do an another we could do another podcast on different advertising mascots because they're so rich and there's so many of them absolutely um, yeah it's just it's interesting that we we happen to pick in a general era but two different swipes at it um so that to me that was really interesting absolutely and for folks out there listening if you have any memories of going to a big boy if you have any memories of seeing the utility truck in your neighborhood with ready kilowatt or if your dad worked for a utility company we would love to hear from you because as i mentioned earlier just nostalgia and these regional things becoming these national things there's so many i'm sure stories and personal connections to these advertising mascots the fact that they're 100 years old isn't an accident right mm -hmm. yeah and they're you know what they're accessible things to all of us so uh, i would love to hear some of the stories out there all right if folks you, if you happen to have a big boy statue that you might want to unload i know a buyer <laughs> just putting it out there i think just i know a buyer too I, I have a friend of a <laughs> all right man this is great absolutely i todd as always it's wonderful to learn from you and the wikipedia that is in your head <laughs> and uh yeah i mean i i would love to uh down the road revisit advertising mascots again so thank you for taking the time for such a fun conversation today absolutely man always a joy to talk to you always a learning experience always a laugh so take care till next time your attention if you want to learn more about us and the podcast there are a few ways to do it visit our website at two designers walk into a bar.com all of that is spelled out no numbers kind of a long url so do yourself a favor and bookmark it once you're there you can find links to more information about the subjects in this episode our episode archive and information about both of us wait we do want people to visit, right? Well, oh, and look for us on social media. You can find those links on our website as well. And while we're at it, if you have a friend who you feel will dig on our rambling, tell him or her what we're up to. While we can't guarantee that they will remain your friend, we can guarantee that they will listen to at least 30 seconds of whatever episode you send them the link to. <laughs> That's being a little shameless. And speaking of being shameless, it wouldn't be a proper ask if we didn't mention that if you like what you hear, you can also make a donation via our website. We have a Nigerian prince handling all transactions for us. In fact, he told us to mention that we have stickers to mail to anyone who donates $10 or more. Are we done? We're done. We're done. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. 
tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com.